it was it was an incredible meeting, and what we talked about really was the fact that what we think we know or the way we've done things in the past isn't enough to carry us into the future. And God's got an incredible future planned out and in action around here, and um, and our job is to get a hold of him, rest in him, which is what I prayed for, because he has a plan of action that, that will bring prosperity and success. And our job is to learn how to depend on him, and that is no different than our everyday lives, what we're doing every day. And so, and so this morning, I'm kind of peeling off of that, and I, I've kind of talked about this recently, but I just want to hit it again because we've got so much going on. Just to bring you up to date, uh, currently, Karis Bible College is in process of moving in the back. Uh, they've closed down their offices downtown Charlotte, and their stuff is being moved into the back. We're actually going to put them in the kitchen area, the offices, briefly, <laughs> until we actually get them a place uh, in the in the new facility that's going to be out here. H how many have had the opportunity to walk around back and get out in the fireplace kitchen area? It is open. You can go check it out. It's going to be amazing. That whole area is going to be done in that way. That'll be a transition between here and the offices and kids area and the and the school as it as it comes about. But so right now, currently, we're in transition in in that. Karis Bible College is, is, move, is moved in. They don't have anywhere to go, but they moved in. And so, and, and so that, that's part of the message is that we're, we're going to be a little bit in disarray as we go, and, and we've and we got to be family in that. And I want to talk to you a little bit about what God says about that. Um, Back Creek is planning on opening their doors still here in the fall. And so that means actually August. And so June 11th is actually our due day for permitting review. In other words, they're going. it's our final review. They have asked us to do things in the plans or whatever they've asked us to do. Our engineers and architects are doing everything they need to do, and they're presenting that, making sure that they agree, and then once they agree on June 11th, we ought to get permitting. So on June 12th, Katie bar the door. I mean, it's, it's going to be crazy around here. Uh, we're going to move all those trailers. We're going to put them in place, all those modulars out there. That's gonna, we're going to put them in place. There's over 21,000 square feet that's going to be put in place. Um, we've got to develop those, make kids' ministry area out of them between now and August. Now, once we get the kids' ministry ready and rolling, we'll actually begin the work here in the sanctuary. And so... Uh, that is going to be on hold till then. And so there's this transition that's got to go where Karis is here, Back Creek's trying to move in. We're doing all the construction, and we're doing church every Sunday. Yeah? So you know why I raised my hand for rest, <laughs> to enter his rest. So, 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 um, so we need to love each other. I just want to thank each and every one of you for praying for this whole transition. Make sure that you continue to pray for the 11th because if we don't get approval on the 11th, it gets stalled in Mecklenburg County. So we really, really, really need to do what we need to do 
so that we can get approval on the 11th, okay? So continue to be praying for that. Your giving has been amazing. Your giving has been amazing. I, I have been overwhelmed by your generosity, and I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. We've raised somewhere in the neighborhood of $190,000, somewhere in the neighborhood. That's crazy, isn't it? That's crazy. You know, you're not only pledging, you're fulfilling what you pledged. There's a major difference in those two oftentimes. Uh, it's, it's really, really neat to see what God's done. So, as I talk about that, I want to talk about answering the call this morning. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, it says this, But you are chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Do you see organization in that? You're his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but now are now the people of God. Who have not obtained mercy, but now you who have obtained mercy. God puts organization into his family. You become a family. You were chosen. You're a chosen generation. You were called out. You're called out once. Leviticus chapter 9, verse 22 through 24 says this, Aaron lifted his hand toward the people. He blessed them, and he came down from offering the sin offering, the bird offering, and the peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. When they did that, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people, and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces with joy. Pretty incredible scriptures. What I want to point out to you this morning is, is that when God calls you, when you're chosen, when you're called out, you're, not, you're called out of darkness into his light, but you're also called from something to something. You're called from something to something. This morning, we want to discover what you were called to. If you were the called out ones, what are you called to? John chapter 13, verse 1 through 17 is the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Now, I, <clears throat> long ago, I taught a little bit about this, but one of the things that I want you to understand as we think about coming into a corporate organization called the family of God. I want you to think that, uh, of the fact that Jesus, as he washed the feet, as he said, do this like I'm doing it, you have to understand that Jesus washed Judas' feet. Very, very powerful part of that story. The reason being is everybody that's in this corporate body is not going to be with us. Everybody here is not always with us. But we have to treat them as if they are. Right? It's the call. It's part of what Jesus was trying to communicate. So let's read the story. Chapter 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should not depart from, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. 
And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas, um, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. And then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said, Lord, are you washing my feet? No, 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 no. <laughs> Jesus answered and said to him, what, am I, what I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if, you do not if I don't wash you, you have no part of me. And then Simon, of course, says, Lord, not only my feet, but my hands and my head. Wash me all over. And Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. And he's talking about Jesus. For he knew that Judas would betray him. Therefore, he said, you're not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, uh, say well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you who do them. And so, the first thing that I want you to understand is you are called out of darkness into light, but you are also called out of the world into the family of God. Won't you say that to somebody? You're part of the family of God. Say it. You're part of the family of God. You're, you're the called out one. Jesus calls the 12, but obviously he calls more than just the 12 because we're all here. We're all his disciples. Now, one of the things that you see is that you see that the glory of the Lord came upon those who were called into service of the Lord, even in Leviticus, even in Deuteronomy, even in those areas that we were just talking about where we see the priestly duties. Now, the Levites are the tribe of Israel that were uh, ordained or purposed to serve the rest of the people. Every other tribe, which there's 12 tribes, you probably already know this, this is just review. They had an inheritance of land that God divided Israel up into. There was Manasseh and there were, you know, all the different brothers had and their, and their families had land, an inheritance assigned to them, except the Levites. Because the Levites, it was said about them that their inheritance was the Lord. Now, here's what you've got you to see. The great American way would have us think, well, they got ripped off. Everybody else got land. All I get is the Lord. Now, let me just ask you a question. Do you think that the Lord was thinking he's ripping the Levites off? It's true, isn't it? Isn't that, isn't that what our way of thinking does? So, so we know that, that if the Levites were assigned to do this task, then their reward was greater than the other brothers. The Levites are the chosen ones. 
They are a picture of the church, the ones who serve the Lord. They're the called out ones. That's your job. And that is your inheritance. You're not part of Israel. You're a Gentile, most likely. There may be some that are, have uh, Jewish heritage. But most of us are Gentiles in the room. And us being Gentiles are the called out ones. We're the ones who are to serve the Lord. And so we are called just like the disciples were called. R.C. Sproul says this, In a sense, this is a microcosmic look at what Jesus does for the whole kingdom of God. This idea of calling us into church. He calls those who he wants. Jesus does. The Greek word that is translated as church in the Bible is ecclesia. The word is made up of a prefix and a root. The prefix is ek or ex, which means out of or from. And the root word is, is, is a form of the verb kaleo, which means to call. Thus, ecclesia means those who are called out ones. Simply put, the invisible church, the true church, is composed of those who are called by God not only outwardly but inwardly by the Holy Spirit. When Jesus calls someone to discipleship, he is calling that person to himself to belong to him, to follow him, and to learn from him and of him. However, every time Christ saves an individual, he places them in a group. There's a corporate dimension to the kingdom of God that we can never overlook. goes on to say, I spoke recently with a woman whose church had called a new pastor, and she wasn't happy with their choice of the new pastor, so she left the church. And when he asked her what she was doing for worship, she replied she was watching religious programming on television on Sunday morning. The obvious problem with this is that she is not in church on Sunday morning. She is not with the people of God in corporate worship, in solemn assembly. The Christian life is a corporate thing, for Christ places his redeemed people in the church to learn together, to grow together, to serve together, and to worship together. And so we're called out ones to come together as the family of God in a corporate sense so that we can grow. So the first thing that we understand about being called out is that we're called into fellowship of the church. And the reason we're called into the fellowship of the church is for personal growth. If the church is really being the church, then you're going to grow personally. If you're connected the way you need to be connected. There are people around here. We went around this room when we were at the staff meeting, and I was just amazed at the transformation of the leaders of this church. We always knew nine years ago that they were people of God, men and women of God. But it was absolutely amazing for me to see what had happened in their lives. We went through and said, how long have you been at Eastside? And some, some nine years, some seven, some five, some four, some three, some just a couple. But if I, if I look at, at, the, at, the, at the puppy that Michael Wallace was when I first hired him, <laughs> the young buck, some of you remember. 
And the amount of spiritual growth that has happened in that young man is absolutely off the chain. It's off the chain. And then the Lord adds Bethany to him. <laughs> and starts getting him really straightened out. But I can remember somebody in our congregation when I hired Justin Clark saying to me, I'm going to have to trust you on this one. Because Justin was, had church hurt. And he wasn't happy. Is he in, the, is he in this service? He's going to be in the next one. I can't wait to, to see his face. <laughs> but Justin... Uh, work with Back Creek to produce their play pretty much single-handedly, ran sound, made sure everything was set up, took care of the church, was the liaison between Eastside Church and Back Creek School. And he did an absolutely amazing job of representing Jesus to them. They loved Eastside because of Justin Clark. You'd have never thunk it two years ago. I'll just tell you that. I used to tell Justin, Justin, <laughs> I said this at the staff meeting, there's somebody pulled in the parking lot the first week I hired him. He goes, somebody's in the parking lot. What do you want me to do? <laughs> I said, smile, it's a church. <laughs> to, to move where he's moved in two years spiritually is absolutely amazing it's amazing so we're called to fellowship in the church for personal growth but also to help others you know we we help others especially when they're struggling with the, some of the same things that we've struggled with in the past but we've actually seen God deliver us from those circumstances and bring us to a place of victory and if we don't gather together corporately, if we aren't in fellowship and have trust, you don't tell things to people that you don't, that don't know. Or if you're not open to the Lord giving you a word of knowledge or, or, or a prophetic word to, to speak to someone, that, you're, that you, because you're involved in the corporate setting, we don't need any long wangers. We need people who, who love and are involved that are listening to the Lord. If you're not, that person's not going to get that word from the Lord. This morning we had a very important word from God that said this, you need to quit resisting the Lord in those places that he wants to bring rest to. And then we even had it identified that there was resistance to that, and so we had the opportunity to actually move in that. You, you, you know, most places you're not going to get that kind of ability to move forward. And so, and so that fellowship with God is for personal growth. It also is to help others. So we're called to fellowship in the church as the called out ones. And as the called out ones, we're called to the purpose to serve. As we read about what Jesus said, we're, we're called to serve. Now, the reason I want to talk about this this morning is this is vital for the, the season we're in. That's a good tune. It's vital for the season we're in. The reason being is it's because we've been here for nine years. Liz and I have been here for nine years. That's amazing to me. 
and what God has done has been an amazing thing. But the next nine years, they're going to be totally different. And whatever we did in the first nine, we're not going to be able to do in the second nine because we're going to have to learn how to follow God. Because how many of you know that it's all about not organization and not being able to be administrative even though you need those gifts? It's about being able to hear the voice of God and actually follow him. If you're going to be the church of Jesus Christ. I mean, you could have an organization. But if you're going to be the church, you need to follow God. One of the things we prayed about is that God never did anything the same twice. He always, when he, takes, when he takes you from one battle to the next, he always has a different set of battle strategies. And he's going to give us a whole new set of battle strategies that we've got to be able to follow this coming year. And to do that, we have to have a group of people who are united to serve because this place is going to be a mess. And so when I'm saying serve, we got a lot of areas that I want to talk to you about serving in and ways that you can serve. But the biggest way that you can serve is not get irritated at people. The biggest way you can serve is to have grace and humility towards people. And you might need to pray for your pastor because this is, this is difficult for him. <laughs> he's, the, he's the one this message is written for. You're just having to hear it. Because I am an ESTJ, and if anybody knows anything about an ESTJ, if that picture's not right on the wall, I can't stand it. I want it to be straight. So a mess drives me crazy, even though I'm not very good at cleaning them up. <laughs> it just drives me crazy. Anybody else like that? So we've got to be tolerant towards one another and serve each other. The other thing that we've got to do is got to make sure that we don't take people for granted. One of the things that happens a lot in the church is, especially when we are family and we're close family, we're actually really trying to walk with God together, is we, what we do is, and it's just human nature, it's the tendency of human nature, is we take people for granted. What we say is, instead of being able to hear God speak to them, we just say, well, that's just Stephen. That's just Stephen. That's just the way he is. That's just Michael, that's the way, that's just Pastor Alex, that's just the way he is. Or whoever it might, that's just Nyla, that's just Dr. Joe, you know, Dr. Joe, he's kind of. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? We, we, we get familiar with people and we take them for granted and we miss what God wants to say through them because we're so familiar with them. Does that make sense? In this season, we've got to make sure that we're paying attention to the Lord and we let, as we serve together, as we serve tightly together, that we let God teach us what he wants to teach us. When I think about purpose and I think about where we are purposed for such a time as this. I mean, God's, God, he set this up. He's doing this in an incredible way. The amount of influx from Karis Bible College that we're getting into this place is amazing. Let me, let me just say this. Karis Bible College pretty much single-handedly sent Mac Dry to his ministry place, and they didn't even know Mac because they just came up because they're generous givers. They've been taught to be generous givers, and they just laid money on that boy that, and overpaid him. And, and, they, and they certainly are 
we just just the influx so far has been has been crazy and the attention we're getting from back creek some of their teachers are coming to church here and what what and it's just that we haven't even started when we get started it's going to go crazy so so uh there is a purpose for what god is doing here right now joseph had a purpose and that was to raise jesus the father of Jesus, Joseph, that Joseph, had a purpose to raise Jesus. And, and, and if you see the story, and if you watch the story, I mean, what, what, a, what, a, what, a, what, a, what an interesting purpose. I want you, <laughs> think about yourself, I want you to raise the Son of God. <laughs> you want me to do what? I want you to raise the sinless Son. You might think, yeah, right at first, <laughs> until you see yourself in the mirror. But you see Joseph doing it. And what's really interesting to me was that was Joseph's purpose. When Jesus was 12 years old, if you remember the story, they left Jerusalem and left Jesus in Jerusalem. And when, and when they, and they realized that he wasn't with family and friends, that they had left him in Jerusalem, then they go back to get him, and they ask Jesus, what are you doing, son, the sinless son? And he says, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? You know, we never hear anything about Joseph from that moment on because Joseph's job is done. Joseph's job is done because <laughs> Jesus is about the father's business. There comes a time that you have to move from one season to the next. And you have to give people room to do their purpose. And, there, and there's this ebb and flow. And when you're serving with each other, and when you're working with each other in community, you've got to give each other. You're not created the same. You've got to give people room to move and grow. If you try to control everything, that's not going to be a way that you're going to allow the Holy Spirit to actually move in something if it has the nature of God in it. And so we have to understand that there's going to be movement and there's going to be flow as we serve. In other words, people are going to be in this ministry and then they're going to discover their gifting over here and they're going to move from one place to another and you can't get offended because they did. And you can't get attitude because they did and, and, and certainly don't take it personal because they did because there come seasons when, when things shift. Joseph was the guy to do that. The Old Testament is full of it, especially with those in the temple. They didn't have any inheritance, but they had a lot of jobs. Just a few of them were. They had to make sure that the lampstands that were in the temple never ran out of oil, so they'd constantly, constantly burn. Another thing they had to do is make sure that the bowls of incense were filled, and, and, and then they needed to... Uh, they were people who actually killed the livestock to make the burnt offerings on the sacrifice. Now, servanthood is just that. <laughs> I love what Kelly said. Sometimes God asks you to do things you don't want to do, and you just need to trust him. We need people to just do what God's saying do around here as a corporate part of the family and just trust him. Because we need you, and because you need to be serving. And the reason I say that is, how many of you think that, 
pouring oil in a bowl would get boring. Or making sure, watching a candle, making sure it stayed lit. How about the dude that has to cut the throat of the bull? I'm tired of cutting the bull's throat. I'm getting blood all over my place. My clothes are all ruined. They look like a painter. Except it's bloody. Every day, I have to cut the head off that sheep. Every day, I have to burn that thing. I'm tired of it. I've had enough. <laughs> Serving's not always easy. But it said, when they got done serving, doing their deal, that the glory of the Lord fell on that place and all the people. Now, the point is this. If we'll serve with the right heart, if we'll serve where needed, even if we don't like the task, if we'll serve because we see something needs to be done, with a grateful heart, if you see a piece of paper in the parking lot, pick it up. If you see a floor needs mopping, mop it. If, if, if whatever needs going on, or if the children's area got totally torn up and nobody knows about it because the construction crew did it and didn't clean their mess up, don't tell anybody about it. <laughs> Ask them where the vacuum cleaner is. You, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, just, it's just we've got to work together as a family to, to get this thing done. And those guys did some things that, that were difficult. The other guy that I want to talk about that had called to a purpose to serve was Zachariah. He had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, which just, just, just came around once in a lifetime, but he was the one who actually got to watch the candles. And the day that he was watching the candles, he encountered Jesus in a powerful way. And a word from the Lord was spoken to him that changed his life forever. And from one duty of servanthood where he was making sure that the candle didn't go out, God spoke to him a purpose that would actually be the one who prophesied of Messiah who was the one who led the way, wonder if John would have had a bad attitude about serving, making sure the candle didn't go out. He was doing one ministry here, and in the midst of that ministry, God calls him to something much, much bigger. I think that's the way God works. I think as we serve, that's when he expands what we're doing. He says, if I can trust you with a little bit, I'm going to show you a lot. Now, that doesn't just happen in this corporate setting. That happens at home. That happens in the workplace. That is just a, a way God does things. So let me just give you some places that we have to serve. You've, you've listened to that, but let me just give you some opportunities. First of all, as a church, we're not meeting on Wednesday nights, and we're going to go to small groups in the fall something we're kicking off so that we can have fellowship. It's important that you be in close relationship with the body of Christ. We're going to get bigger, but we got to stay small. we got to stay smaller, and the way you do that is small groups. But what we're doing is the first Wednesday of every month is we are throwing, we are throwing down. 
the first Wednesday of the month. And we need you here to bring the glory of the Lord in this place. If Michael and the band show up by themselves or with 40 people or 60 people or 80 people, you know, there, there's going to be a move of God and it's going to be powerful. But we show up here with 200 people. It's going to be amazing. Put on your calendars to make sure that you're here first Wednesday of every month. Now, in July, it's going to be the second Wednesday because the first Wednesday is July 4th. We're going to let y'all roll, and we're going to do it actually the second Wednesday. But the first Wednesday in the month, second Wednesday in July, you got that on your calendars. Make sure you do that. The other thing that you're going to have to do is make sure you read our emails because we're going to communicate that way. If you don't have our app, you really, 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 really need to get our app. And if you're not serving somewhere, you need to really, really sign up to serve. And as you do that, we're going to be communicating with you via planning center. And that's the, that's the administrative arm that we use to, to do that. The reason I'm telling you this is we can't afford to lose you in communication. And the only way that we can communicate and make sure we're communicating with you, which we have people that are focused on that, is that you actually have the programs that we're communicating in. If you don't have those programs, then you're going to help anything, and that's going to be the way that we are communicating the most. And so places to serve are first impressions. That is the parking lot, the ushers, and the greeters. That's a great place to serve. The next generation, which is from babies to, to youth, is a place to serve. We got prayer teams around here that we want to we we want to fill this aisle right here when people come in praying for people. We want Monday nights. We're having twenty to thirty people show up on Monday nights for prayer meeting. We want that to grow like crazy. But we also want people to be able to pray for people up front, and that takes training. So you can volunteer to be on prayer teams. You can be on our tech teams which means everything from Cam, Alan loves in the back, he's giving me thumbs up. All these guys are doing all this stuff and putting this stuff online. If you're tech savvy, we need that. If you're media savvy, we need that. Security teams, Bon Appetit. There's a, there's a ministry that I think that we could do a lot better than what we're doing. And that is called, it's called Bon Appetit. I think it's called Bon Appetit. It, it's, it's, uh, is it still called Bon Appetit? It was nine years ago. It was at Seacoast, and it was ever since I've been in ministry, but they might have changed the name, but this is what it is. When people go in the hospital, people go in the hospital, we take them food, or they need something, their families need something. We, 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 we feed them, and we need a lot of people to volunteer for that, and we only have a few. But the more people we have that will actually cook a meal and, and gather it and take it, it's going to be better. So that's a place that you could volunteer hospital visit visitation our building teams around here we're going to need to do demolition we're going to need big teams to, how many say ho oh, oh, demolition we're going to need big teams if you've got a skill if you're an electrician or a plumber or whatever we need to know if you can lay tile or flooring or whatever we, we're going to need teams to help us you know erect speakers or whatever we're going to do um, we're going to need people to move Back Creek is going to need people to move their stuff here. We're going to need to move all our stuff there. There's, there's all kind of things that you could volunteer for as far as that goes. Outreach. We, 
Love Life Charlotte is a great outreach. They need mentors. There's all kinds of things they got going on. West Stanley Christian Ministries, we're there every third Saturday of the month, and it's an amazing time. Vulo r- r- uh, runs that mostly. If, if, if you want to be a part of the worship team, uh, those, there are plenty of places. I know that we're raising up worship teams in the children's ministry. If we, if we, uh, if we take off with 15 small groups, there's 15 small groups that are going to need somebody to lead worship. I mean, there, there are opportunities for, for, for worship to be led. And we also, uh, in the fall, are going to do uh, small groups. And we need small group leaders and apprentice leaders that can be the administrator. Maybe you'll never, ever be the one who actually leads the group. But that person who leads the group is probably going to be administratively challenged. <laughs> and they're going to need somebody to call everybody and let them know that we're bringing a, a, a covered dish. Or, 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 you know, or, or, I, or just call somebody and say, hey, I hadn't seen you in a couple of weeks. Just want to check on your family. See how you're doing. You know, you know, there's all kind of ways that you can serve in, in those capacities. And that is just the beginning. Those lists are going to grow and grow and grow and grow. And let me give you another one. I just talked to uh, the principal at Back Creek, and she's got a family that is a struggling family. They have um, their their kids have some mental mental issues, and and, and some of it, um, anyhow, they have mental issues, so, some kind of learning disability, and and what they're looking for is somebody who will commit to helping that child learn every day. One day a week. If they can find five people that will commit to that child one day a week to walk beside that child, to help that child learn what it's supposed to learn so that that child can actually carry it. Now, these, these kids have the ability to, to not be poor. They have the ability to learn and make money. But they're in a system that just, they're in the education system of, of Mecklenburg County, and it's just going to swallow them up. And they're going to come out of there, and they're not going to know anything because they're going to pass them from one place to another. And then when they get done, they're going to be in poverty the rest of their life. And so there's an opportunity that we can come alongside and and do that. And she's got a tremendous heart for that. There are so many places that we can serve, and we can get creative in that service. And so if you're not serving anywhere, and you're part of the family of God, you need to find a place to serve. And, and, and you need to serve well. And, and maybe you could serve in two places. The nursery, I think, is, is like six times a year. It's not many that, that you would serve. And so we, and we need you there. The more we have there, the less times a year you have to serve. Somebody said, well, they ought to love babies. Nobody loves babies in the nursery that in their right mind. They just do it because, because it needs to be done. <laughs> Cut that out, she said. She's telling you the way it is. So we need to serve. Michael, can you, you guys come on back up? We're going to take just a minute. We're going to serve communion if the ushers could come and Does that sound like family? (laughs) You heard me. (laughs) 